This is Live La Bella Vita with your host, Don Catherine. If you're looking to know all the latest beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. Do you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense? This is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita on Toginet with Don Catherine. If you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes from the vine to the bottle, if you love Italian food and want to learn Nana's recipes, you enjoy travel and want to know the best luxury destinations and resorts, love spending time with La Familia, does your business or passion allow you to live La Bella Vita? Let's find out. All that and a little more with an Italian flair. This is Live La Bella Vita on Togina.com. And now, here's your host, Don Catherine. downloading my podcast. You can get that podcast at iTunes by looking up my name, Dawn Catherine. Scroll down to podcast and you will find me. Or you can look up La Bella Vita and uh, you can do the same thing and you will find me there. So if you didn't know that you could download my show, now you know. And if you want to listen to any of my other shows, you can do so as well. So we were off for the Thanksgiving holiday, and I hope that everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know that I did. I was up north with my family. It was fantastic. We had a great time. It was very cold, and uh, I was there for almost a week and a half, and the whole entire time I was there, it never snowed once. I was most disappointed. And, of course, the day that I left to come home, it starts to snow, and I missed it all. So not very excited about that, I can tell you that much. So, uh, tonight we have a really great guest. A couple weeks ago we had Jeff Fentry on. We had some technical problems. And he will be coming back on with us tonight. We are just getting him on the line. So, he will be here momentarily. And, you know, besides the Thanksgiving holiday, I am in a mad panic because I have absolutely nothing prepared for Christmas because there was just not enough time between you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I have lots of decorating to do in so little time. And uh, I just wanted to say tonight, because we have this great guest, Jeff Entry, on, uh, we're going to talk about the, the film Blackfish and uh, what is going on at SeaWorld and other marine parks around the world. Uh, so we are not going to do my normal, you know, incatatos and all that good stuff. We're going to get right to Jeff once we have them on the line. But I did want to take this time um, to say that uh, we are mourning the passing of Nelson Mandela, and uh, I just want to send my wishes to his family, and I know that all of my listeners to the show uh, feel the same way I do. He was an amazing human being. I think he is probably one of my top three people that are the most peaceful people that I have ever 
encountered in my entire lifetime. Uh, somebody who was totally sympathetic, empathetic, and held no grudges, and he led, led in a, a life of exemplary example for others to live by. So I hope that um, everybody really looks into his life and takes example from him. So I do believe that we have Jeff Entry online. So without further ado, Jeff Entry went, welcome finally to the Bella Vita show. Hi, Don, Catherine. You? Can you hear me okay? Can I you can hear me? Hear you great. Thank you so much. All right. I can. Great. Can you? Can you <laughs> I hope you can hear me as well. And I have the pleasure of seeing you as well. So that's very nice. That was very good. So uh, you are an XC World Trainer, and you are yep. featured in the movie Blackfish, and you are a doctor as well. You are a physiatrist. Is that correct? That's right. I do physical medicine and rehabilitation, and we are called physiatrists. That's right. See, are, are you not impressed? See, I did my homework, you know. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so uh, obviously um, a lot of people have seen the movie Blackfish. And if you have not seen the movie Blackfish and you are listening to this podcast live, or if you are listening to it at a later date, I highly encourage you to take a look at the movie. It is life-changing if you are not aware of what is going on with orcas and marine parks around the world. So my first question to you is, what made you want to become a trainer at SeaWorld to begin with? I had studied biology at Florida State University. Go Seminoles are playing Auburn in a couple weeks. Um, and was looking for I'm something to do. Fan, by the way. <laughs> All right, go Knowles. Um, I yeah. had a biology background and I didn't want to be stuck in a lab somewhere. So I was trying to think of a job that had some athleticism, was kind of outdoorsy and combined bio. My only miscalculation was that there wasn't, there isn't a whole lot of science that goes on at SeaWorld. So SeaWorld really is kind of just like a circus environment, but I was thinking that it might have some science mixed in. I was just a little off on my anticipation of what that was so that's how i got so, that, so i tried out for uh sea world what's that I, I was there from 1987 till 1995 eight years that's a long time so yeah. you were working with these absolutely majestic animals the orcas which you know everybody recognizes um it has to be an amazing experience to be able to work with these whales um do you, I think one of the biggest questions that people have asked me to ask you, and I have several, um, is do you think that the whales have an authentic, real bond with the trainers? Do they have an awareness of you, or is their response just because, you know, they know you're going to feed them? <laughs> yeah, that was a good question. I've talked about this a little bit. People, we, you know, I'd like to believe that it was a loving, human-like relationship, but uh, it's probably more akin to a pleasant relationship that is developed between a prisoner and a prison guard, if that makes sense. I mean, you develop a working relationship with your animal, and if you are consistent with that animal, and if that animal uh, uh, recognizes that in you, then you guys develop a working relationship, but it's not like a human-to-human -human relationship where there is love involved. I mean, these animals are you know, I hate to use a strong word, but they're essentially incarcerated and they're reliant upon the trainer to provide them with all their food, provide them with their health care, so to speak. 
Egypt. And basically to even open and close the gates between the pools to let them spend time with each other. And that relationship really isn't fair if you think about it. If you, if you consider that in the wild, these animals live in strong nuclear families for life and swim up to 100 miles a day. And now we're putting them in these small pools where they swim circles and surface rest and get bit by mosquitoes and and uh, die young, it's really not the same thing as having a human-to-human equal relationship. And so I I don't like to call it uh, that dreamy relationship that everyone wants to think it is. I think it's based more on the inequality of the situation. But some trainers do work better with animals than others. And my example of that is I used to work with a group of guys i won't mention their names they were identical twins and the whales could tell these guys apart better than i could and the reason for that is is one of them was more of a jerk than the other one and so the the whales worked much better with the guy that was you know cool and um and that's because he was more consistent with the animals and they enjoyed working with him uh, more and maybe picked up on things such as his gait or his confidence level or the way he moved moved in space. Uh, so you can't fool uh, the whales, but you can sometimes fool the people, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> now, I know that you were at SeaWorld for quite a while, but at some point you came to question some of the methods that SeaWorld used um, it, it, with the animals it, it, in their treatment. It, yes. I, I'll tell you what happened. To me, I did not spend my entire time at SeaWorld, I mean, at Shamu Stadium. I started at Shamu Stadium, and when you first get hired as a trainer, you are kind of like just happy to have gotten the job, if that makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of kids out there, young people that want to become killer whale trainers. So when I got, I was fortunate enough, I guess, if you could say that, to get hired out of a large applicant pool and started in November of 1987 and kind of went to Shamu Stadium right off the bat where I was a bucket scrubber and the guy that does the show lines with a microphone on. And I, you know, I did that in in kind of a, my naive honeymoon period with the park. And you're basically just kind of like a grunt and you don't really question a whole lot because you're just still happy to have gotten the job. And then I got moved to Whale and Dolphin Stadium where I spent uh, a couple of years. And then I got moved to Sea Lion Stadium where I spent one year. And then I came back to Shamu Stadium. Well, the second time I came back, I was armed with a lot more scientific information. I had been talking with Ken Balcom, the investigator of the Orca Survey study in Washington State, and his co-investigator, Dr. Astrid Van Ginniken. And so I knew that whales lived a lot longer in the wild than they did in captivity. I knew that dorsal fin collapse was a lot more rare in the wild than it was in captivity. And I also noticed that wild killer whales did not have broken teeth. So when I went back to Shamu Stadium for my second uh, tour of duty, so to speak, I that's when it was kind of in my face. And, uh, you know, I basically got back in, into school and uh, prepared for the next step. And, and now I'm, I'm working as a doctor. So I'm happy to have transitioned out of that. Right. Um, now, since you left SeaWorld, obviously you are an advocate of anti-captivity. And it seems like the movement is picking up more speed now than ever, and especially since two movies like Blackfish and The Cove, it seems like 
people are really becoming aware of what is going on and how the these animals are basically robbed and kidnapped from their families to come to these marine parks uh, for our entertainment, so to speak, um, and to become circus performers. Um, so, I mean, how do you feel about the movement? Do you really think that there's going to be a point where, you know, we kind of shut down the way that SeaWorld has its business model and it's going to move on in a different direction? Um, how do you see things going? Yeah, I, what, what has happened? Uh... Oh, we're going to break. We'll see you on the other side of break. Sorry about that, Jeff. Oh, okay, no problem. You know, he just might. This is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Besame, besame Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on Tugginet.com. What does success mean to you? Money? Power? Fame? Having everything money can buy? Does it mean having a job or career that you love? A great family life? Or simply to be happy? If you're still searching for answers, then join us each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for Prime Time Success Radio, where Alan Skidmore and his special guests will discuss health, finances, relationships, being in business, and how you can have a life that is not only successful, but a life of meaning. Alan has been studying success principles for over 25 years through reading, attending seminars, interviewing successful people, and a daily lesson from the School of Hard Knocks. And now he wants to share that information with you. So join Alan Skidmore on Primetime Success Radio every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network, as he takes you on a journey of finding the heart of your success. Thence, I had great desire to see Italy, and came to Venice, and from thence to Florence, where I played before the Duke, and got great favors. If it's good enough for Sting, it's good enough for us. This is Live La Bella Vita on Toginet. 
If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita, all with an Italian flair. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. It's Live La Bella Vita. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. This is Don Catherine, and this is the La Bella Vita show. I am here with our special guest, Jeffrey Ventry, and he is featured in the movie Blackfish. And before we went to commercial, we were talking about uh, this movement against the anti-captivity of orcas and marine life. And um, it seems like that movement is picking up speed. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think what happened, uh, Don Catherine, is that, you know, first of all, it took a shocking event such as Tilikum, uh brutally killing a trainer in 2010. And this led to an unprecedented investigation and uh, a trial with the federal government, uh, OSHA versus SeaWorlds. So that trial led to the discovery of a lot of uh, information that was previously hidden and the reporting of people like uh, the great journalist Tim Zimmerman at Outside Magazine, who wrote the benchmark piece Killer in the Pool, was hugely important. And that was the template for Gabriella to make her movie. I mean, basically, the movie is a combination of his article, A Killer in the Pool, and also Blood in the Water, where he investigated the tragedy at Laurel Parquet, which is also in Gabriella's film. So this has been one long three-year expose and the one of the critical things that happened to this documentary you know most documentaries don't get seen by that many people but cnn played it on october 24th and then 16 more times and over 20 million people saw the film and so now it's getting discussed on the short list of oscar possibles and is really penetrating much more deeply into pop culture than had ever been known before, because historically, the you know the, the corporate world, including SeaWorld, would just marginalize everyone as being an, an animal extremist, which is what they're still trying to do. But the movie has penetrated so deeply into everyday life, including you know Joan Jett and and Willie Nelson and and Hart and. And Cheap Trick, who have all canceled their performances at SeaWorld in February because of Blackfish, that everyone now has kind of got word of the film. And most people have seen the film. And Gabriella did it in such a way that it's not a pushy film. It just kind of lays out the facts and allows the the viewer to kind of take ownership of their own feelings. And I think the conclusions that are drawn from the movie are just so obvious, and that is keeping killer whales in captive environments simply isn't a good idea. They don't harm people in the wild where they interact with kayakers and boaters pretty much all year long in Washington State and in New Zealand with Ingrid Bisser and in other places in the world. Yet four humans have been killed and numerous other trainers have been injured uh, due to this, what is now obviously a failed experiment of captivity. So for the first time ever, we are into a uh, new frontier, so to speak. And, and we're, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Absolutely. I mean, I, myself, um, I know that when I talked to you briefly a couple weeks ago, I kind of had made the disclaimer that I am obviously anti-captivity as well. I have been for a long time. I have boycotted SeaWorld for the last 17 years. And, um, 
you know, and, and I do sometimes have to explain to people why, especially before Blackfish came out, even before the Cove came out and there was more awareness, you know, I kind of just said it's just not right, um, you know, and I'm so glad that there's this tool um, called Blackfish the Movie because now I can just say, watch the, watch the documentary. That's all you're going to need is to watch the documentary. You will never set foot in SeaWorld ever again. And um, I've gotten my whole entire family to watch it. They have all said they would never go to SeaWorld again. Um, whoever I can tell, I, I tell. So it definitely, you know, even though that I was I was there before, I just think spreading this message via Blackfish and the Cove has just made it that much easier. So it's, I think that's a great thing. And, um, you know, so how did you ever, how did you get involved? I mean, obviously you were ex-trainer, so you were a good, viable person to be in the, in the documentary, right. but how, you know, they came, they approached you, and, and uh, it's something that you were passionate enough that you wanted to share this message with the world as well. Well, it was a tough, it was a tough choice for me to, uh, I, I elected to go on Anderson Cooper the night Don was killed, February 24th, 2010. And at first I kind of didn't want to get involved, but um, my sister and uh, John Jett, who's also in the film, uh, basically said, Jeff, it's, it's your responsibility to say something. And I was very respectful. And I just kind of described Tillicum's life as a breeder at SeaWorld. And I was very simplistic. I didn't attack SeaWorld at all, actually. I just kind of uh, gave an, an informed opinion. I think the fact that I was a medical doctor kind of gave some credibility to the things that I was saying. And so, uh, people saw that interview and then I was asked that same week to, to appear on Wolf Blitzer's program also on CNN and also the CBS morning show, which is a nationally broadcast uh, TV interview. And that attracted the attention to Tim Zimmerman who wrote the article I already mentioned, Killer in the Pool. And then once Gabriella read that article, which John Jett and I were in, that's how I got involved with the movie. She she based the movie off the article, and so I was a natural uh, person for her to solicit. So I was asked to participate in the movie based on uh, having this several-month track record of, of expressing myself to various people. And, you know, for me, you know, I think, you know, I have a house in Orlando. I basically live about five miles away from SeaWorld. And obviously local news, when when Dawn's death happened, it, it is amazing how the local coverage via uh, versus the national coverage of the events were so different. Um, it really... Um, it really changed. Um, there, there, there was such a dichotomy in the reporting. It was crazy. But, I mean, I do think that we got a little bit more um, information, but um, it definitely was glossed over because these stations that are local, they don't want to rock the boat either. But um, it, it was um, it was a very trying time. Very, people were very tense during that time um, because you have a lot of people in, in the community that work for SeaWorld and, you know, no one kind of knew what was going to happen. So it was it was a very different being here in Orlando when that happened. Um, but for you as a trainer who worked there, I, I just can't imagine what the effect that had on you, knowing that she died doing this, um, something that you did, the same exact thing. I mean, that has to just be like a very weird feeling to know that it could have been you. It could have been any of you that this happened. Too. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I 
worked with Tilikum. I was a senior trainer. I was at the same relative level as Dawn was when she was killed. And John Jett was actually Tilikum's team leader. Um, so he worked with uh, Tilly every day. Um, uh, and JJ, uh, Dr. John Jett, was the guy that texted me. He lives in Deland, which is right outside of Orlando, and says, you know, killer whale, a killer whale trainers died. And we were before they announced who it was, we were trying to figure out who it was. Um, and we both, you know, Don wasn't even on the list because we, we respected her capabilities and didn't think it would be her. She was like, in the movie, it says she was a safety guru, and we knew that to be the case. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was shocking to find that out. Although, on, on the other hand, he had already killed two people before. So um, what happened is, is, as this thing unfolded, it became apparent that SeaWorld was lying. And, um, and now in a couple of years of hindsight, it's come out. There's an article written by Elizabeth Batt that talks about SeaWorld delaying the 911 call after the attack for 27 minutes before they even notified the Orlando County Sheriff's Office. And that was so they could clear the area out of all the public witnesses and supplant them with trainers and people that work for SeaWorld. Out of the 43 interviews the Orlando, Orlando I'm sorry, the Orange County Sheriff did, uh, 40 or 41 of them were either trainers or SeaWorld employees, and they only took two or three interviews from guests, even though there were dozens of guests that actually witnessed the event. So we knew that SeaWorld uh, was lying right off the bat because if it's even covered in the movie when the Orange County Sheriff came out. The first story was that Don, or they didn't, I don't even know if they, they didn't even say Don, they said a trainer came out, slipped, fell, and tragically drowned, at, kind of like blaming it on the trainer for slipping and falling and then chalking it up to an unfortunate drowning event. Well, then, you know, it didn't take long for witnesses that were actually there that got dismissed from the uh, actual investigation to tell uh, the local news channels like WESH Channel 2 News in Orlando and also CNN was covering it, that not only did this girl get killed, but she was brutally killed. And and so this right. is kind of one of the this is kind of one of the things that triggered the X trainer truth squad to kind of call BS on all of this because you could you know they started off on this trajectory of of lies and then their behavior became completely predictable. So they they just started I mean I, I hate to be so negative about the company, but they've just got this history of providing misinformation dating back to when we worked there telling people that the animals lived to 25 or 30 years. Oh, dorsal fin collapse is completely normal. It happens to 25% of all wild killer whales as they get older. I mean, some of this stuff is actually covered in the movie, but SeaWorld is in the, is in the business of, of public relations and they do a heck of a job at it and that and they and and they tried to not only shape the investigation which was a scam they continue to uh push misinformation out into the public to this day so um that's how we got involved all right we're going to come back to you after the break this is the Vita show we'll have jeff bentry xc world trainer featured in the movie blackfish on the other side of break we'll see you on the other side This is Live La Bella Vita. 
Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Entertainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright, Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Come bella gialla luna, brilla strette, strette come butto, bella e fasteggia. Sotto celle de Roma. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. This is Don Catherine. This is La Bella Vita show. And we are here with Jeff Entry. And uh, we have been talking about the movie Blackfish. We've been talking about uh, SeaWorld and what's going on there. And um, one of the things that I want to ask you is about SeaWorld's stance on education and that they come across as being an educational park, and I'm sure to a certain extent that could be possibly true, but not to the extent that they kind of make it out to be. Um, And the fact that they do do some conservation work, Um, obviously I'm here in Orlando, I see all the time on the news about them going and rescuing manatees or dolphins or whales that have been beached. and I think that's all well and good, but I, you know, I believe that there's also an ulterior motive because obviously if they take those animals in, they're not able to put them back out into the wild, you know, back out into the wild, into their natural homes, if you will. They get to keep the animals and that kind of helps their bottom line financially as well. Um, you know, how can a company that is worth billions of dollars only donate $10 million to conservation efforts? I mean, we're, we're, what are we missing here? I mean, is it just pure selfishness and, and is it all about the dollars? 
or do you feel that their heart is in the right place but maybe just misguided? I, I just, I kind of am on the fence with that. I mean, I do feel like maybe they want to do the right thing, but they just don't know how to do it. Maybe someone else needs to come in and help them. So how, how do you, what, what is your take on that situation? I think Cyril does uh, good work with manatees uh, and rescuing certain animals that strand themselves on beaches. I think a lot of times, though, there are, are ulterior motives for both of those activities. Number one, they get a lot of pre- a positive a press for rescuing animals. Number two, they end up keeping a lot of the animals that they rescue, uh, for example, pilot whales and, and other dolphins that have beached themselves in the recent years, they end, they end up in SeaWorld's collection. So they're, they're not going to get completely off the hook with that. But I saw a tweet on Twitter yesterday that it was uh, someone was talking about how much conservation work SeaWorld does with other animals. And then someone responded with, well, you know, uh, Jerry Sandusky had a children's charity as well, but that didn't stop him from abusing other kids, you know? So it's almost like they want to use these, these positive events to kind of obscure the negative events. When they put out their eight point criticism of the movie, they said something along lines, well, the movie doesn't acknowledge the fact that SeaWorld, uh, rescues all these animals. Well, the movie isn't about SeaWorld's rescue efforts. The movie is about the injustice and the inhumanity about keeping killer whales in captivity. Those are two separate issues, and they try to use one to obscure the other or one to justify the other. Um, Also, you mentioned how little they've contributed. A lot of the money that they end up putting back into conservation is monies that are already donated from the public or grant monies that they get just for that purpose. And someone actually did a calculation uh, and they've donated a very, very uh, way less than 1% of their proceeds goes to conservation efforts. And in 2012, SeaWorld of San Diego was cited by the federal government for being a polluter of San Diego Bay. I mean, this, this company is not in the in the business of conservation. They're in the con- they're in the business of the the capture and display or the breeding and display, primarily of killer whales, but also of other animals. And a lot of the information you learn specifically about killer whales simply isn't true, and it's kind of blended with their corporate propaganda to make it as palatable as possible for the average Joe that doesn't know any better, including myself. You know, when I was hired at SeaWorld in 1987, the Internet didn't exist. So the trainers, we were almost we were hand fed what the facts were by SeaWorld. And, you know, I'm as guilty as Samantha Berg or John Jett or Carol Ray for for telling people that killer whales only live to be 25 or 30 years old because that's what they were telling us to say. And we didn't know any better. I think social media and the Internet is really starting to be a game changer. I mean, I think for me personally, I, I don't. I, I think after watching the movie, I don't think that anybody would sit here and insult you for that because you were given such misinformation from the corporation that you worked for. But I have to question the integrity of the people that work there today because there is this information and they choose to look the other way. And and it's not just for SeaWorld; it's for any other marine park out there. There's several. Um, I. Swim with dolphin programs. I'm also against them, and I know that you don't believe in them either because, you know, in order to get these dolphins into these different resorts, they basically go and steal them from their pods and 
you know, they warm them up together and pick out the youngest ones and the ones that are the most attractive, and they basically steal them from their families, and then they're forced to live a life where they are there to entertain people, and it's just wrong. Um, so if you had, if you, if you were to tell people a little bit about some of the programs, I mean, obviously, I can tell people that it's wrong. I'm just a radio show host, but you, you're in the mix. You, you know, you're there. Um, I, I really would love, because I talk about luxury travel a lot, and it's something that is featured in a lot of these luxury resorts. And, I, and on my show in the past, I have tried to sway people and say, listen, it's not the best thing to, to participate in these programs. But I think that maybe a little encouragement from you with your background mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that you've been in this documentary. Um, if you well, say it to them again, they might listen to you. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Don Catherine. There's a lot of problems associated with these Swim With programs. And by the way, these Swim With programs are the creating the highest demand for the dolphins that are being captured and slaughtered in Taiji, Japan right now. But the reason why these Swim With programs are, are not worth it is because, number one, uh, most of these facilities are sourcing their dolphins from the wild. Just like I said, this is what is causing the slaughter in Taiji. Um, number two, no captive facility can accommodate the physical, social, social, and psychological needs of dolphins who swim 50 or 60 miles a day. The, the stress of confinement and forced interactions with the public simply aren't good for dolphins. Um, Number three, feeding dolphins modifies their natural behavior, leaves them at increased risk risk for collision with boat propellers, for example. Um, You know, dolphins become kind of semi-comfortable around people, and then they end up getting chewed up by, you know, an inboard-outboard prop or or in some cases even shot or or killed for, for, you know, by idiots that are out in boats. Um, Swim with activities can harass and harm wild dolphins. And lastly, uh, swim with programs can harm the people that are getting in the water with dolphins. There's plenty of examples of dolphins targeting and, and hurting humans that are in the water with them. And, you know, everyone looks at a dolphin and, and sees the quote, uh, dolphin smile, unquote, and thinks that these dolphins are happy in these small confined spaces and they simply aren't. So I'd like to see, better regulations. I'd like to see the Marine Mammal Protection Act of the USA that was uh, put in action by Congress in 1972 enforced a little bit better. One of the tenets of the Marine Mammal Protection Act is that there's an educational component to these shows, and that simply, in the vast majority of cases, isn't the case. So don't swim with dolphins. Don't encourage these companies to collect more dolphins. And, uh, you know, learn to appreciate dolphins like kids appreciate dinosaurs. They haven't even seen a dinosaur, but kids are known to love dinosaurs. So I just think there's better alternatives than than um, creating this false market for uh, wild captures. That's my Absolutely. take. Absolutely. And that's a great segue. Yeah, and that's a great segue because one of the, one of the questions that I got asked um, by some of my, my listeners was, um, you know, no one would be able to see dolphins or, you know, orcas, killer whales if it wasn't for SeaWorld. And, you know, I say that's absolutely not true. I mean, that is such a blatant lie. If you can make it to San Diego to go to SeaWorld or you can make it to Orlando, it's an hour ride to the coast. And there are multiple, uh, 
you know, dolphin excursions or, you know, whale watching or what have you. Um, so that, 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 that analogy just does not hold up at all. And I, I think that, you know, to me, I would give anything. I, I mean, I went to, I, you know, I'm from New England, so I have done whale watching on several occasions. Um, unfortunately, like both times that I went, we really didn't see anything, but it is my lifelong dream to go to the Northwest and to see the killer whales in person. I think I would probably want to jump out and pet one, which I know you highly, highly <laughs> would not recommend. But I mean, you just, I, I'd much rather see a, a killer whale in its natural environment than to ever see it, you know, performing a trick that I know is something that they don't do in their real life. Um, right. It's just, I, I think that we, we need to re-educate people about that. It's just not natural. It's no different than seeing safari animals. I would much rather see a lion and a tiger out in a safari than I would behind, you know, in a zoo. Which leads me to another question. One of the biggest questions that I was asked was, what is your take on zoos and other aquariums? Are you against captivity across the board or in certain, just in certain instances? Yeah, I I encourage anyone that has a computer, which might be most of your listeners, to just uh, Google uh, Willie Na Willie Nelson's response to SeaWorld that he just uh, mentioned the other day. Um, Willie Nelson is a an eighty year old American icon. He just said, "I I don't blame the monkey for wanting to to throw stuff at the people at a zoo." Um, in general, I think captivity for all. Uh, for all mammals is probably not a good idea, but he, Willie also mentioned he knew that there were some zoos that are more like retirement centers, like open pastures for, you know, tens of thousands of acres where elephants, for example, can retire. I don't have a problem with that because that to me is real conservation. It allows the animals to roam free without, you know, ongoing human intervention. But whenever you put, you know, how many people have been, I haven't been to a, a zoo in probably, you know, 15 or 20 years, but I've been to a zoo and looked at a, a, a tiger, you know, pacing back and forth in a relatively small cage or a lion or a leopard or watched, you know, a gorilla doing stereotypic behavior or, you know, even seen Tilikum just kind of floating listlessly at SeaWorld because they don't have enough space to move around. So or a polar bear, you know, polar, polar bears run miles and miles a day up in the Arctic. And, you know, at SeaWorld, you basically are looking at one through a clear refrigerator. All right, we'll see you on the other side. We're, we're going to be back with Jeff Entry on the other side of the break. This is Don Catherine at Slow Bella Vita Show. You know, he just might. This is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Besame, besame mucho. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. 
from Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events. Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Do you ever feel like you're the invisible woman? Too polite to be political? Too nice to be real. Tame, even though you really want to be unleashed. Like you're living in a fairy tale without the happy ending. Well, Cinderella has left the ball. And it's time to wake up and break up with our own self-imposed glass slippers and ceilings. Welcome to Le Chic Speak, the polite woman's guide to self-expression. With your host, Jen Duchenne. Le Chic Speak is the Woohoo Radio Network's resident radio show dedicated to helping women turn on their power and turn up the volume of their voices so you can be seen, heard, appreciated, and celebrated. Join us on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for your weekly dose of Le Chic Speak with your host, Jen Duchenne, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show, all with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. This is Don Catherine. It's the La Bella Vita show, and I'm here with Jeff Ventry, XD World Trainer and featured in the movie Blackfish, and we have been discussing the movie. We have been discussing a whole lot of different things about uh, the captivity of orcas um, at SeaWorld and other marine parks, and uh, how we are fighting. Both of us, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I guess I can officially call myself an activist now because I have probably <laughs> like 90% of my my tweets lately have been <laughs> about either Taiji and the dolphin slaughter or about Blackfish and about SeaWorld, so I guess. But I told someone not that long ago, they said, oh, you're an activist because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who have empathy for others and for all creatures, human and animal, and I feel like we should take care of everybody. And someone said, oh, you know, you're, you're a great activist for, you know, people taking care of people. And I said, I don't consider myself an activist. I just consider my person, uh, myself a person who just loves everybody and everything and wants to treat them with, all with respect, no matter who you are. I don't care if you're the president of the United States or if you're the person who sweeps up the crumbs after a movie. I'm going to treat you with the same respect. We all deserve that. And it doesn't matter if you're a human or an animal. We all deserve respect, and we all deserve to have a peaceful life and be treated well. So anyway, there you go. So. Um, there's been a lot of talk about what's going to happen if SeaWorld closes. And, um, you know, I don't think that SeaWorld ever will close, and, and you agreed with that as well. Um, we all hope that we will see these some sort of changes in the business model that, um, you know, that they will stop having these shows and forcing these animals to, to do these circus-like performances. But a lot 
of questions are coming out about what's going to happen to the animals if SeaWorld does change their model and they stop having these shows. What is going to happen of of Tilicombe and all of the other killer whales and dolphins? What will happen to them? And a lot of people are afraid uh, that they're going to be killed. And I don't necessarily think that is true. And it was my understanding that it's SeaWorld's responsibility to care for them, that is the agreement by bringing in these animals, that they agreed to take care of them for the rest of their lives. Can you kind of elaborate on that? And yeah, yes, I can. What, you, what your knowledge of that is? Yeah, I, can, I can't guarantee what's going to happen, but I have a, a good idea of what's going to happen. Number one, as sad as it sounds, Tilikum will more than likely die at SeaWorld probably within the next couple of years. He's He's uh, lived longer than anyone could have anticipated already. He is over 30 years old, which is now making him just average age of death for a wild male killer whale. Um, so he's probably going to die there. But in terms of what the younger whales are going to do, I have a feeling that captivity for orcas is going to become unpalatable in the United States. I hope it becomes illegal, but I think with the current uh, new level of understanding that a lot of people have i think it's just going to become uh harder for SeaWorld to to pull off circus stunts with killer whales in the united states but russia china and japan and the middle east are just now ramping up their captivity venues and uh, and these animals are worth literally tens of million i think tilikum has been valued at over 10 million dollars so that's just one killer whale so i can see blackstone or whatever group is controlling SeaWorld's interest, basically either sending these animals on breeding loans or directly selling them to other facilities. I mean, they've already done this with Laurel Parquet. Laurel Parquet uh, pays SeaWorld millions of dollars a year to store five SeaWorld killer whales in the Canary Islands of Spain. So there's already a model for this. And unfortunately, Russia has just collected several whales from the wild to display at the Winter Olympics in Sochi in, 2000, in just a couple months. So we know that there's other places in the world where the captivity biz is ramping up. And so the, the animals will hold their value, even if uh, keeping them in sea circuses in the United States becomes illegal. So I don't see these killer whales going anywhere except to other places uh, with uh, concrete pools. That's my take. Which is quite unfortunate. But hopefully, there, you know, like Dubai in the Middle East, which, you know, Dubai is, you know, the, the biggest place, I think, that would have these kind of places that would have marine uh, shows and whatnot. Hopefully, there's enough of a, of a American influence over there that maybe, you know, they can realize that it's not the best thing and, we can nip it in the bud before it gets to a point where it's going to be a long time before we can get them to realize that what they're doing is wrong. Um, I just think Japan, that's just, that's a whole different animal, that, you know, uh, of them getting to understand that, you know, these marine parks, which they have multi, I mean, a lot of them are just not the right thing to do. Um, you know, but I do believe after the cove has come out, I do believe, I think that finally the message is getting out about what's going on there. I think that actually the J Japanese people are starting to turn. So hopefully the movement will continue to grow there and it won't be as big of a problem. And, you know, hopefully they'll start closing these places down. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to um, 
asked you if you knew about, I, I just recently had heard that um, the um, NOAA had denied um, the Georgia Sea Aquarium um, a entrance for some beluga whales, all which the Georgia Aquarium had set up, but apparently like they were only going to keep one or two of them, but the bulk of them were going to go to SeaWorld. That was denied. They, their permit was denied. Um, um, and I guess one was supposed to go to Mystic um, Sea Aquarium as well. Um, but I guess that they're taking them back to court. Are you familiar with that? Do you know anything about that and what the status of that situation is? Yeah, I, I know all about it. And I, and I will add that I was just in Dubai about over Halloween, and they, they're showing every indication that they're going to ramp up and, and not, not, not ramp down. But in terms of the NOAA application by the Georgia Aquarium, Georgia Aquarium applied to import 18 wild-caught Russian beluga whales into five different parks, and that was all three SeaWorld parks themselves and the Mystic Aquarium. I think they were keeping just three of the animals and, like, maybe 10 or 11 were going to SeaWorlds and then the Mystic got the other one. So that was denied by NOAA based on science. Some of the animals that had been collected were apparently still nursing. The environmental impacts of removing those 18 beluga whales from their family pods in the ocean around Russia uh, was paid for by SeaWorld and the Georgia Aquarium. In other words, SeaWorld and the Georgia Aquarium paid for the science to say that the impact was non-existent and that turned out not to be true. So that just goes to show you, you can pay anyone to do a scientific study and come out with an outcome that, that, that helps your interests. So the NOAA looked at the science and looked, looked at the impacts on the wild population and said, no, you can't bring these belugas in because this will set the wrong precedent for future imports. Uh, wild animals had not been collected from the, wild animals had not been imported into the United States since like 1993. So this would have been a uh, breaking uh, uh, precedent that that's been in place now for, for I guess close to 20 years. Um, so, but the Georgia aquarium has now appealed Noah's decision. And we are hopeful that that appeal will fail because we, we agree with Noah that it would set a, a bad precedent, but that's ongoing. We'll probably find out in the next eight weeks. That's good to know. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, growing up in Rhode Island, Mystic Sea Aquarium was like 45 minutes away from my house. I will have to say that I have been there, but it's a much smaller facility than the Georgia Aquarium ever thought about being. But um, I'm glad that that happened. I would hate for that to open up a door to any more you know, exploitation of these animals whatsoever. Um, so I know that the um, you talked very briefly at the beginning that um, that Blackfish is on the uh, short list of 15 documentaries that are nominated uh, are in consideration for the Academy Award. I do believe that with the <laughs> what is going on with this movie, I think that it's no-brainer to say that this documentary has caused more activism, more protests, and more, uh, more hubbub, if you will, than any other documentary that's out there. And I truly do believe that you guys are going to win. I really do. I think it will be a travesty if you don't. Um, so I, I really am praying that you guys get it. I really, really want to see that happen for you guys. So um, so I guess we have a couple of, we have a couple of, we have like three minutes before we're going to go out. The one thing that I, I know that we kind of touched about on it, but there's just a couple of things that I want people to, 
you to kind of go over with about, you know, the difference between having an, an orca in, in captivity. We know that the lifespan is much less than in the wild. But can you just go over it, like, about the dorsal fin and the, about, the, um, about how much they swim in the, in, the, in the wild, just to give people, like, a last-minute blast of information so that they really realize that what's going on between the captivity and them being in the wild is not a good thing. So. Sure. sure. 100% of all male killer whales have collapsed dorsal fins One in captivity. 100% of all males, including Tilikum and Kito and Taku before he died, have collapsed fins. That is because they log or float motionless at the surface for a, a good part of their lives. Dorsal collapse in the wild occurs to less than 1% of all killer whales and only occurs after things like propeller strikes. It was seen after the Exxon Valdez spill in Alaska in the late 1980s. So dorsal collapse is a sign of pathology, and it occurs in captive uh, males 100% of the time. In the wild, killer whales swim up to 100 miles a day. They live in nuclear families. Uh, males never leave their mother's side. In captivity, um, they probably swim less than one mile a day in counterclockwise small circles. And uh, at SeaWorld of Florida, only two of the seven pools in the whole facility are even deeper than Tilikum is long. So in the wild, they can dive hundreds of feet down uh, searching for salmon. And they live with their families. They stay together for life. In captivity, they get split up. They are deconditioned from no exercise. They get sunburnt. We used to paint their backs with black zinc oxide, yada, yada, <laughs> and on and on. I could just go yeah, on forever. On but on. Yeah. I, Exactly. Jeff Renty, thank you so much. I am so glad that you were on the show. You have given us so much information. This is Don Cap and it's LaBelle Vita Show. We will see you next week. Thanks, Don Time to say goodbye. Thank you for being a part.